have to tell you, empty your rocks. Take your rocks out of your pockets and your hands because what I'm going to say might upset some of you. Because we're going to talk about something that, that God's really put on my heart that we've been talking about or where we're headed. And the title of this message is Preparing for the Prodigals. And we've all heard the preaching about the prodigal son, the prodigal son, the prodigal son. My emphasis isn't going to be on the prodigal son. He's going to be on the, my emphasis is going to be on the son that stayed home. Some of you may not like it, but that's okay. Luke 15, in verse 11, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through this you know, fairly quickly. Um, I believe, how many of you have been believing for prodigals? How many of you have been believing for the unsaved? How many have been believing and praying and believing God for the hardest? We all have, right? And then when they come through the door, we're like, oh, what are you doing here Look like, looking like that? What do you think they're going to look like? What do you think they're going to be like? What do you think they're going to act like? What do you think they're going to smell like? The world. Why are we shocked by this? Here's the thing. We need to learn how to love in such a way that those things are not offensive to us. And guess how we get to practice this love? On each other. Well, I don't like so-and-so, and I don't like such-and-such. God's going to bring you somebody to you then? We really need to get a check on where, where we're at, right, in our hearts. Here's my thing. If some little offense can, can, can do, cause a wedge in us, what are we going to do with the people that are coming here loaded with offenses? Loaded with them. You think, I mean, if, if you don't know how screwed up things are in the world, turn the news on for just five minutes, then pray in tongues for a half an hour after that. To get your mind right. Because it's scary, some of the things that are going on out there. But I believe we're going to see them coming. And a lot of times we talk about preparing for prodigals. We think, we've got to prepare our services. We've got to prepare the building. We've got to prepare. We've got to have this. We've got to have this. I'm talking about we need to prepare our hearts for what's coming. All right? Because I'm going to tell you something. I don't, I get crucified for this a lot of places I go. I don't care, though. I don't care what they look like. I don't care how tatted up, pierced up. They're going to have, you know, they're going to have ponytails come out of the front of their head. That does not affect me one bit. They can still be restored. Because after all, we are ministers of reconciliation, yes? Not ministers of I'm going to wreck your life. And it's going to take this kind of love that I'm talking about to do that. Now listen, I'm not talking about not having standards, and I'm going to get into that. And I'm not talking about just people coming in, doing whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want. That's not what I'm talking about. And, we're going to, and I'm going to I'll put some qualifiers on this stuff in, in a little bit. People are going to come, up with some, come in with some baggage. There's going to be some people that may have been here and gone and want to come back, and how are we going to react to that? Are we preparing our hearts for the prodigals? Because let me tell you something, you think they're going to look like you, think like you, act like you, smell like you, do like you, you're wrong. Yeah. Then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them, in Luke 15, chapter, verse 11, said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. Now, if you understand the Hebrew tradition, that was a slap in the face to dad. Because in Hebrew tradition... At the father's death, the Jewish law allotted one-third to the younger son 
and two-thirds of the estate to the older son because the firstborn gets a double portion. Okay? So the older son has two-thirds. The younger son, being rebellious, said, I want what I want, I want it right now, Dad. Now, in Jewish law and tradition, they could do that. You say, sure, I can allot it to you, but it was still a pretty big smack in the face to a father to do that. And so not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and wasted his possessions with prodigal living. That doesn't ever happen. <clears throat> but when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Okay, I'm, of course, this, it's really easy for us to stand up here. Now, young people, listen to this. I'm saying, no, all people listen to this. There's nothing in the world that is going to satisfy you. He became to be, he, here's the thing. It says right here. When he spent all that he had, after you blew everything that God had given you, okay, yeah, he went and, and it says he wasted his possessions, but when he had spent all, their severe famine came in the land and began to want. Why? Because the world will not give you anything. It will take everything from you. There's only one place that I know of that as you give, it will be given back, and that's the kingdom of God. You give to the world, they're going to take. Give to the world, they're going to take. Take, 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 take. And there's no life in that. So when he had spent all, severe famine. Now look at this. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. He went somewhere way outside of what his family even was. Went to a far and joined himself to a citizen that probably was not a Hebrew, which was a big no-no in those days. Okay? Then, here's what it says. Says he went himself to citizen and he and he sent him into the field to sw feed swine. No place that a Hebrew should be, because they were seen as an unclean animal. Look how far he'd fallen. He was in his father's house and he had everything, but I want what I want. I want it my way. And so I'm going to go out here. Fine, do your thing. The world will give you nothing, but it will take. The enemy comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he will do. I don't care, young or old. If that's where you're at, he is going to take everything you have left, leave you for dead. You know, hey, we'll come find you and help you, but we're going to talk about that in a minute. But when he spent it all, he joined us and he was feeding swine. A Gentile in the world. The world will never, ever satisfy you. Never. It won't. People think I'm crazy. Well, if I had a million dollars, I would have this and this and this and this and this and this and this. You could have all that stuff and still not be satisfied. I mean, how many cars is enough cars? You know, I got five airplanes. How many airplanes is enough airplanes? You can only ride one at a time. You only fly one at a time. What do you need five for? What do I need? Five? I don't. You know, I mean, if I had, if I, you know, like if, like take you, you may need six, eight, ten vehicles because you got. People flying here, there, and there, you know. If you need five planes, great. But I don't need four planes hanging out my hangar looking at it. Say, look at my, I got my shiny plane. I don't need that. What we need is to be obedient to God. And so it says, he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate in, in 1516. And look at this. In the world, in their system, doing the way things they do them, no one, no one, it says, would give him anything. 
I don't understand why people are still chasing after the world. I don't get it. Nobody would give him So, now look at this in verse 17. But when he came to himself, all right, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and, and I perish with hunger? He came to a revelation. Wow. Wait a second. Here I am, and my father's, my father's servants are eating better than I am. Now, we'll look at this. Look at this hard attitude. Look at the change. I will rise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. That is a repentance. And listen, this is what I'm looking for. When we're going to have broken people coming through the doors. And, and, and again, people may throw a rock at me for this. What I'm looking for is a repentant, humble heart. Don't walk through the door saying, this is where I'm at, this is what I've been in, and you are going to accept it whether you like it or not. Oh, no, I will not. This came with humility. Look, don't even restore me to being a son. I'll be a servant. Pay me. I'll just, I just, you know, because I know your servants are better, have it better off than I did. And I, what did he, he confessed his sin. I have sinned against you in heaven. I repent. Forgive me. And guess what? That was his heart. He didn't, he didn't come back saying, hey, I blew everything that I had. I'm still your son, so you, you know, you owe me. We've got enough of that in the world. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. This was the father's reaction in verse 22. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat and make merry. For my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's, now he's found. And then they began to make merry. This is the kind of excitement we need to have. I want you to think about something. I put this in perspective for my own life. I've got a daughter. What if my daughter was on her way to school one day and disappeared? I can't fathom. Three, four weeks she was gone. Two months she was gone. Then all of a sudden... I'm out on my porch, and I see her coming down the road. Oh, my goodness, that's my daughter. You don't think there'd be a celebration in my house? You best stay away from me. You won't be able to talk to me for months. I'll be excited. I'll throw fireworks, anything I've got, because my child was dead, and now they're alive. They were lost, and now they're found. That's exactly the way heaven sees the people out there, the exact kind of heart we have to have. They've got to come with humility and repentance, but they're not going to have it all right. They're not going to do it all right. They're not going to say the right things, do the right things. That's where discipleship comes into play. But here's kind of been our attitude. I'll disciple you if you do it the right way. How do they know to do it the right way? How does your kid know how to ride a bike? Please, I hope you don't do the thing. Okay, I'm taking the train wheels off. I'm putting you on the seat and pushing you down the hill. Woo, you're going to learn. Guess what happens? They fall off their bike, they're traumatized, they'll never get on a bike again. They come through the doors, we don't want to disciple them because it's hard and it's messy and it takes time and effort and energy and, and you know, and you're not doing it right the way I want you to, out you go, traumatized. Good luck getting them back through the door. 
Now listen, I'm not saying this is easy. It's not. And I'm not saying that just, look, people are going to come full of demons, man. Guess what? We've got to cast the demons out of them. Heal them up. They want to hang on to them. I always say this in this church. The demon's leaving or the person's leaving. Somebody's leaving. They want to keep it. They'll go with it. But they won't stay here. Because we want people free here of things, of addictions and, and all those things. Now, here's what I want to get to. Verse 25. Now his older son was in the field working. His older son was out there working. Now my brother has been out here living the high life, doing his thing in the world. I've been here doing what I was supposed to be doing. And he came and he, and he drew near the house and he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and said, what, what does this mean? Verse 27, he said, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry. Now listen to what he said. And would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. And this is what he said. I, I want you to look at this. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I've never transgressed your command at any time. And yet you never made a young goat for me that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as, look at this, as soon as this son of yours, not my brother, this son of yours. Oh, think of the attitude in that. I'm not even confessing he's my brother. It's that son of yours. It's that dirty, rotten, filth, and pig that took, took half the money. Now, I want you to think about this. If the brother's heart would have been, hey, I'm so glad you're home. This is kind of, now bear with me. This is kind of a selfish twist to this. But if you think this through, the brother comes home and gets restored. Guess who now can help on the family business? Now, listen. The brother, brother what's his beef? He still has to, he's got, Everything. He owns everything. His, his brother already got the one-third. He's got everything else. His brother's going to help come and be a blessing to him. And guess who that's going to benefit? The brother that was stayed home. Because it's going to help him do what he's been doing all along. And so let me, let me kind of bring that around. Do we need help in the kingdom? Anybody that has a heart for God can be useful. Then the ones coming through the door, let's get them cleaned up, let's get them healed up. And let me tell you something, they're going to stink. They might even have some flowery language. I know none of us do, right? God has just cleansed our mouth. The minute I go out, went ding. It's like what, that extra dentine commercial or whatever that commercial is. You must clean up that dirty mouth. Ding. Listen. They're going to have some isms and some problems. I get that. I'm not saying they're walking through the door out of the world, coming through the door, walking through these, and going to the pulpit and start laying out the word to you. It's not what I'm saying. But they have got, uh, let me ask you this. Where on the planet can broken people get healed? Where? Just, I don't know of any other place than the body of Christ. I, I don't know of a hospital. They might, be able to, they might be able to mend the body. They can't do a thing for the soul. It's got to be here. I don't know the last time. Well, i be careful. I went to a doctor, and the doctor said, yep, you got a broken leg. I'm not doing a thing for you. Go walk. We got to be careful. People come here. We got to mend them. We got to try to help them. Now, listen, I'll say it this way. Anybody that walks through this door that will allow me to pastor them, I'll pastor them. 
They don't want me to pastor them, I won't pastor them. People come through the door, they want to be healed, they want to be whole, they want to, we can do that. If they don't, then we won't, we can't. But we'll help to the ability that we can help if they want to receive that help. But here's the thing. That brother came with such a heart, he didn't care. He wasn't coming in looking for position because I, I've been out there messing around. Well, I'm just going to come back here because I want this, I want that. No, he came back and said, I'll, whatever. I just want to be here. That's all I want. And you watch and see what God does. Cleans him up. Trains him up. And heaven forbid, might even use him. But as soon as this son of yours, who has devoured, now this is, I want you to look how the enemy lies. He's devoured your livelihood. He didn't. Only one third of it. And it was already his. He gave him what was his. He didn't hurt the father. He gave him what was his. Said, here, do what you want. But the two thirds, the brother still had, when the father passes away, the, the one that stayed home, the older brother, it's all his. So his younger brother's going to be working for him anyway. Now, I'm not saying that he's his employee. They're going to be joint heirs and all of that. Is that where you're going? Oh, absolutely. And, and that was probably another part of, yeah, I hadn't gotten there, but that was a good point. I'm sure part of it is, and, and, want you to, and I'm going to bring this back into the body here. Yeah, but if they come and they get restored, they might take my place. They may be doing what I'm doing, and this is mine, and I want to do this, and I've been doing this, and, and I've been begging God to do this, and they're going to come in, they're going to get cleaned up, and God's going to use them in a way that I don't think they should be used. Be very careful. That, that could have been the son's attitude. Hey, what, my brother's back? Now I've got to share more of my stuff with him? Guess what? It was all the father's stuff anyway. He gave it to them to be stewards over when he was gone. Whatever stuff you think is yours... Somebody else is going to own when you're dead. I'm sorry. This is my house. Until you take your last breath, then it's somebody else's. This is my money. Uh-huh. Until the bill comes in the mail. Then it belongs to somebody else. So it's all ours. It's not none of it's ours. So relax, will you? Relax. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm... I, I told my kids, I love my kids, and I'm going to leave them whenever, but I said, if you're waiting on a big bunch of money from your dad, you're going to be sadly disappointed. I'm a good student. I'm going to use every bit of it that I've got to use to do what i got to do, you know, and not that I don't want to bless my children. Don't, don't, you know, don't shout me down because I'm, you know, wow, what kind of a parent? You tend your own garden. I'll tend mine. You see, what he was trying to say to his father, this son of yours, don't you remember his sin? Don't you remember what he did? Don't you remember where he's been? Don't you know what he is? And he said, look, all I know is my son was dead. And now he's alive. Can't we be happy for that? When somebody comes to Jesus and they're restored and reconciled to him, all of heaven rejoices. Why can't we? We can't even get excited about it. Yeah, yeah, well, they came to Christ. I wonder how long it will be before they fall away. <laughs> a great attitude. Thanks a lot for helping them out. You know, well, well, you know, my kid was born. Yeah, 
Yeah, 20 minutes, all right, 20 minutes, they ought to be feeding themselves and getting a full-time job. You know, they're only three months old, but come on. If we treated our children, our natural children, like we do spiritual children, we'd be in prison. <laughs> Verse 31, he said to him, son, you are always with me. And listen to this, all that I have, it's yours. It's yours. All that we have. He's given it to us. When the prodigals come home, we need to help restore them to the kingdom, restore them to the church, restore them to the body, restore them. Now, how that goes and what that looks like, I don't know. Every case is going to be different, probably. We don't have a cookie-cutter way of doing things. See, those of us, well, I should say you, because I wasn't always faithful, that have been faithful, you're not losing anything. Nothing. But what you are gaining is a brother, sister. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother who is dead and is alive again and was lost and, now, and found. We need to rejoice when the prodigals come home. We need to receive them. We need to help them. Because, again, I want to relate it back to you. Who are you believing for? Son, daughter, brother, sister, mother, father, aunt, uncle, cousin, friend. Who are you believing for? Wouldn't you want everyone to rejoice with you? I would be, if my, if my daughter was, was lost for three months and came marching down that thing, man, I would hope, I would, I would hope that you guys would rejoice in it with me. Praise God, she's back. I suppose she thinks she's got to sing on the worship team again. You know, she blew it. She's disqualified. Based on who? You? Oh, righteous one? Stiff neck, white whitewashed sepulcher. That's a, that's a that's pretty heavy words for Sunday morning. Yeah, you're all pretty on the outside, dead as a doornail on the inside. Don't have any love for anybody. And again, I'm telling you, this whole love thing, this whole love thing is where it is all at. And I'm going to go back to. Listen, I know people, people that are going to come through the door are jacked up. My thing is, is that can we find something in them that is significant enough that God can restore? Or do we always look at, we're really good at this. I can find everything that's wrong with you. Everything that's wrong with you. Can you find anything that's good? Anything redeemable? Anything? Boy, I hope somebody found something redeemable in me one day. And he said, hey, you believe, man. And I was discipled. And, and listen, I was a knothead. I was not an easy disciple. I understand what Jesus went through. Some of my mentors went through the same thing. They're like, is he ever going to get it? Got to tell him 17,000 times, no, you can't do it that way. But you know what? He stuck with me. Never gave up. Never condemned me. Corrected me a lot. And I had a pastor, and this isn't my words, but I had a pastor tell me, he says, Scout, the reason you're growing so fast is because you take correction with no problem. Never got offended with correction. Didn't care. Why? I just want to do it the right way. If you want to do it, if your heart is, I just want to be right. And correction isn't a big deal to you. Correction is a blessing. So I'm going this way, and it's going to be easier to go that way. Tell me. 
tell me, you know, why climb over the mountain when there's a four-lane paved highway around the mountain? Just tell me. Correct me. But most people don't like correction because they want to be right. And I had Jim Kuzno, God bless him, man. He had this saying, you can be right and you can be alone. Now, I'm not saying that, well, I've got to be wrong. But I'm saying, do you want to be right in your own mind? Correction is not a bad thing. You know, correction saves our children's lives a lot of times. Correction saves our lives a lot of times. So my whole heart in this message is preparing for the prodigals. It's a heart issue that we need to be prepared for. When people are coming and they're shattered and broken, I don't know you about you, but there was a time in our lives where we had a very traumatic incident in our life. We were destroyed, man. Our faith was shaken. And, and, we, and again, we had well-meaning people, and, and the first thing they said is, well, maybe you just didn't have enough faith. In my wife, it just it both destroyed her faith. So you be, be, please, please, for the love of God, for my sake, do not say something stupid like that around me because I might come unglued and get in the flesh and forget I'm a man of God. Okay? Me, what I wanted to do, I wanted to give them the five-fold ministry right in the lip. That's what I wanted to do. I didn't, but I wanted to. And, and I'm going to tell you something. It took some years not days, not months, some years for that to be restored to my wife. Okay? So just a difficult, you know, traumatic thing that happened to us. Boy, would it have been nice. And, and we had some people. You know, I remember you guys. They got around us and said, hey, man, we love you. This isn't your fault. It wasn't lack of faith. We prayed all the prayers. We did all the things we were supposed to do. And for whatever reason, it just didn't happen the way we thought we wanted to happen. And they loved us. And they cared about us. We were broken people. Thank God for you. Thank you. It's one of the reasons that I'm right here today. We need to afford that to people that are coming in. They're broken and they're confused. And they're not going to talk right, think right, act right, know right, nothing. We've got to help disciple them. Okay? So I just wanted to say, and I'm sorry about bringing all that up, ladies. But it had to be, it's just a great analogy. Of, there's two ways we can go with this when people come. We need to be those, we need to be like the Father. We're going to celebrate, and we're going to help you, and we're going to walk you through it. Now, if they turn around and walk back out the door, that's on them. They have a will. But we're going to help. Are we prepared for the prodigal? Because here's the thing. If... If you're not, they ain't coming. <laughs> my, I'm sorry, English teacher. Where are you? My English teacher cringes. Uh, exactly. Good. They'll come. They just won't come here. And, and then my question then is, what are we doing here? I don't want to be here if they're not coming here. I, you know, hey, I can go golfing on Sunday morning. Oh, you heathen. Let me tell you, if you're looking for that perfect church, you ruined it when you came here. 
You ruined it, you've ruined it. You have ruined the church. There's no perfect church, so if you're here, it's ruined. So you might as well let the other people come in and ruin it too. Amen? A bunch of ruined people in a ruined church, what a glorious thing. Amen? <laughs> I hope you hear my heart today and what I'm saying. We have to prepare ourselves because, folks, I, I, th this isn't going to be a healing thing. It's going to be a remake thing. People are crushed, destroyed, shattered. I mean, th there's no answer. But when they come, we have it. Amen? Amen. Well, let's give the Lord a hand clap. Amen.